morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join in Stevens Point and Appleton. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here at Celebration Church. Trust that your uh, worship service has been meaningful here as well as over in Appleton and in Stevens Point this morning. Um, I want to do a quick uh, go beyond update. This is our special giving campaign that we've had over the last couple of years, trying to reach a target amount of $1.2 million. Let's take a look at the numbers today. Appleton's up to 71,000. Stevens Point, 124,000. Green Bay, 732,000 for a total of 928. 476. That's very good. 67. So we're almost there. Now, if you've been paying attention, and if you're like me, you don't, but uh, technically, the campaign came to an end last Sunday. It was supposed to be a two-year campaign. Some of you did have it set up literally for 24 months. But if you could continue to hang in with us, we just want to keep, we've talked about, our leadership team talked about, so, you know, let's just keep going till we get, we're almost there. Let's keep going until we reach this amount. Everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Uh, At the end of the service, we're going to be doing our missions offering. This is an opportunity to give to, much of it goes to foreign missions, also some home missions and stuff. Just an opportunity to reach out and bring the gospel of Christ and the love of Jesus to people all over the world. Everything from uh, missionaries who preach and share to orphanages and stuff like that. Uh, This Sunday, we'd like to give some money as well, above and beyond, to uh, some of the uh, suffering that's going going over as a result of the earthquake in Nepal. Um, And I know a lot of people have already been generous in just giving online to different organizations and stuff. Uh, Let me encourage you, give through a Christian organization. You say, why is that important? Because on the ground out there, when that money comes from a church to these people, it gets their attention oh, this is who you are. This is what the love of Christ says. It's good to help people. Jesus said, but if you give a water in my name, you will not lose your reward. So it's good to give people water. Why not do it in Jesus' name? And by giving it through uh, Christian organizations, that money that you want to give to go help these people helps to advance the kingdom of Christ and raise the stature of these churches. Oftentimes that they have very low profiles in some of these parts of the world. When these people come along and they're able to help financially, boy, all of a sudden people notice, you know, it's one thing to go just preaching at people. It's another thing when you really help people and help them with their basic needs. What did Jesus do? When he came, he'd find people's basic needs. He'd heal them and whatever. And boy, just got people's attention. So let me encourage you to be very generous uh, in our offering, uh, this uh, second offering, so that we can help send some money as well to Nepal through some Christian organizations. We are in a series called Faith 101. But we're talking about some of the basic truths of the Christian faith that a lot of people, uh, it's amazing how people don't have these, but we're trying to deal with them. Um, in parts one and two, we explained 
how that not everything that happens is controlled by God. Not everything that happens is God. Uh, it's so important for us to grasp this because if you don't, when bad things happen, it causes people to get angry and bitter at God. Just heard about someone who was in a terrible accident. You know, uh, people say, well, gee, why did God do that? Well, God didn't do that. They, you know, it was an accident. Uh, the uh, earthquake in Nepal, why did that happen? Why did God do that? God didn't do that. It's amazing how many unbelievers, they totally ignore God until something bad happens. And they say, well, why'd God let that happen if there's a God? Hello? It wasn't God. Well, so how do you know what's God and what isn't? Jesus said, the enemy, talking about Satan, has come to rob, kill, and destroy. If it falls under the category of rob, kill, and destroy, it's pretty much the bad category. If it runs out, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. You had unusual life and blessings, that comes from God. So that's how you know. So not everything that happens is controlled by God. And as I pointed out in my last message, if everything were controlled by God, well, everybody would love each other, Right? There'd be peace throughout the world. There'd be no crime. There'd be no protest, no rioting. There'd be no heartache. Everybody would have lots of money. And as I pointed out, the Green Bay Packers would win every Super Bowl because <laughs> surely that is God's will. All right, so not everything. I did not say nothing happens from God. Indeed, God does do things. God has made, makes his will and uh, uh, expresses himself in very powerful ways. But not everything that happens. So the question is, well, then how do I get God more involved in my life? That's what prayer is for. Prayer is inviting and asking and directing the hand of God in your life. Talking to God, God, do this and do this and make this happen. And even to make your case to God. This is why, Lord, this, if you do this, this will be good and that'll be good. I mean, God loves to hear this stuff. We looked last time in the Old Testament how these guys had visions of heaven. And there's like angels around the throne of God debating with God. This is why we should do it this way and this will work in that way. And I mean, God loves to hear that from his creation. It's not like that he doesn't know what to do. Well, God, well, everybody prays. Oh, God, just whatever your will is. <laughs> it's like two-second prayer. You know, that's why it takes more to really pray specifically. God wants to know what is it you'd like him to do. Now, through this series, someone in one of our campuses asked the question, posed the question, you know, are, are you a deist? I thought, am I a deist? Am I a deist? And I had the same response you're having right now, which is, what the heck is a deist? I have no idea. <laughs> So I did some very exhaustive searching and study, actually 20 seconds on Google, to find out what, what a deist was. Apparently a deist is someone, this came up in the 1800s, people got this concept that God has set into motion things as they are, just the laws of God and nature and stuff, and then God does not involve himself in the affairs of mankind. That is not what I've said. I've never said anything of the sort. Anyone who believes that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins is not a deist, okay? I believe God wants to be involved in your life. What I'm telling you is you need to pray and ask God to be involved in your life, all right? Which brings us to today's lesson, what role does God's specific will play in our lives, okay? Now, when God has a specific will, and if you've ever listened to me, you know I believe God has a specific will oftentimes for people, but here's where I disagree with so many people today, is I don't believe the will of God is a mystery. 
There's so much, and it's a very much an Old Testament concept of, you know, waiting and trying to find God's will. Because they didn't know God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have any of that stuff. And taking that Old Testament model and sticking on the New Testament is really not accurate. God makes his will known. It is clear. Say, well, I'm not sure what it is. Well, then it's not all that strong. Just make some righteous decisions and move forward, okay? How many of you have children? Yes, yes, you have children. Now, if you want your children to do something, do you make it clear to them? Or do you wait for them to come and seek your face? <laughs> oh, Father, what wouldst thou have me do this afternoon? You know, if you're an employee, you tell your employee, or if you're an employer, you tell your employees what you want them to do. You don't wait for them to come and figure it out from you. Everything would fall apart. God is a big boy. When he wants something, he makes stuff happen. And I've shared multiple testimonies of how God directed me this way and that way. And it's always clear. I've never been into this, you know, waiting and trying to figure out what God wants mode. You know, God has a way of making stuff happen. I always tell people the way God leads me is he shuts every window and door in the house, lights a house on fire and opens one door. Oh, I feel motivated suddenly to go, you know. And even then, when God shows up and clearly puts you on the path you, he wants you to go, he often steps back and then what are you going to do now? He doesn't tell you everything. This idea that God will tell you everything to do, I believe is not biblically accurate. Jesus never said, ask God what he wants you to do. And if there's one thing you hear throughout Christianity today is, ask God what he wants you to do. Where exactly do you get that from? Jesus never talked like that. If anything, he went around constantly saying, Ask God what you want him to do in your life. This thing of just, I can't do anything, I know what God wants me to do, is really not biblical. If God hasn't made it crystal clear what he wants to you, listen, if you, here's a phrase Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, why would God be any different? And I would stretch, if you being evil know how to tell your children clearly what you want, why would God, why, why would God hide his will? It makes no sense. Anybody who has a will expresses that will. Hey, do this. Right? Ugh. Stuff makes me older than I am. You say, well, Pastor, sometimes I, I don't know what to do. Well, okay, well, now it's a little bit different. Now, if, if you don't know what to do, uh, here in James, the first chapter, we read this. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But wisdom is different. The truth is, the Bible says, a wise person seeks out wisdom. A fool despises wisdom. I would argue that much of what we talk about in the will of God today is created very foolish people. We don't want wisdom. We want God to tell us what to do. Wisdom is God giving you insights and understandings based on the principles of his word. That's why you're supposed to seek wisdom from other people. In the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. You're supposed to seek after this wisdom. And then you can make a decision based on that wisdom. That's what God wants. Look, it's like if you have a complicated mathematical problem in front of you. Now, there's two ways of approaching this. I can either just tell you the answer, 
which is probably what most of you would prefer. Right? What's, what's number five? What's the answer to number five? Write it down. Or, and that's a lousy teacher. A lousy teacher just tells you the answer. That's a terrible teacher. A good teacher says, hey, let me show you how to find the answer. You do this and you do that and you carry this and you twist that and you spin it in circles and do whatever and that's how you get the answer. What God wants to do is for you to grow and to mature. There is a little benefit of him telling you everything to do. I just categorically reject the idea that God tells everybody everything to do. If you disagree with me, get in line. All right? It's not the end. Look, the people disagree on some of these issues. I'm just telling you what I think. I've always told you in this church, there's a difference between what we believe and what we think. We just stood and said what we believe. I'm not telling you what I think about prayer. If you have a different view of it, then fine. I'm just saying, if you want to hear how I do this, I'm trying to tell you how I do my life, how I understand the scriptures. I don't see that, not in the New Testament, you don't see this idea of waiting around asking God to make things clear to you. In fact, there's very little of any admonitions in the New Testament about trying to discover the will of God. You find a few ones that are closely, you know, like in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, it says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And, and even there, he's telling you what the Lord's will is. Make the most of every opportunity. And he goes on. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're so angry. Love your wives. Respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Employers, be nice to your employees. Employees, work, not just when the boss is looking at you. He's telling you the will of God. Don't be greedy. Don't be lazy. If you've been you know, stealing, stop stealing, work with your own hands. The will of God is very clear to us and been revealed to us. You don't need some voices popping in your head. But that plays into laziness. If I tell you, the an- what should I do, Pastor? Well, the answer is in the Bible. You don't want to read the Bible. Just tell me what to do. That's laziness. That, tell me the answer. I need to make a decision. What should I do? Well, here's based on God's truths. Here's what he, well, no, no, just tell me what to do. Just tell me the answer. That is a lazy version of Christianity, a lazy version of faith, and I fear that we are up to our eyeballs in versions of laziness rather than devout people who are being active in our faith and advancing the kingdom of God. That is not deism in any way, shape, or form. We are saying we believe God is active. He reveals. Look, in the, even in the book of Acts, not everything they did God told them to do, but every once in a while when God told them to do it, it was very clear. The first missionary journey, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Go in the second, read the next ones. God didn't tell them to go. Holy Spirit didn't tell them to go. They just went, you know? And he's going along, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, well, don't go that way. Okay, well, don't go that way. There's only one other way to go left. <laughs> the way they go. Sometimes God will just tell you not to do something. I mean, everything doesn't have to be specific because it's called walking by faith, stepping out. Trusting God, seeing God, and then praying, Father, do this. God, open this door. Make this happen. Get very specific with God in your life. What do you want God to do in your life? If your version of faith is, I'm waiting for God to tell me what he wants me to do, in my opinion, you're missing it. You've totally missed the whole point. It's not about that. You want to know what God wants you to do? The basic stuff? Right there in the Bible. Read your Bible. That's why you want to read your Bible. Beyond that, unless God puts you someplace specific, and sometimes he does, you don't even know he's doing it, but he's making his will very clear. He's a big boy. He knows how to get done what he wants to get done. One time, 
Bible says the guy's walking along. I think it was Philip, right? And all of a sudden, he just got snatched up and planted in another place. He was the first beat me up Scotty. Just boom. That had to be cool. <laughs> Whoa. We're at now, you know? And then he sees someone curious about God, and he goes and he starts talking to him. I mean, God has a way of making stuff happen when he wants to make it happen. The rest of you live it by faith, not everything. In fact, a lot of the problem about preachers and pastors, myself, is we share these great testimonies. I'm going to share with, with you in just a little bit. But we share these great testimonies of how God makes himself so clear, and we think, wow, that's normal. Well, no, that's not the norm. That's the exception. Most of this is by faith. What I don't tell you is the stories of how I didn't know what to do and I spun around in circles for a long time. Because those aren't very funny stories. They're not very exciting. Right? I mean, in 45 years of knowing Jesus, I got like five really cool stories. Sometimes you hear them over and over and over again. Yeah, why did he tell more stories? I don't have any more. That's why. All right? You step in faith. You move out. Now, there's a great parable in the New Testament, Jesus gave a parable. Now, you have to understand, a parable is a story, it's an analogy, and all stories are not perfectly translated. You know, the, the point is he's trying to make a point, okay? So let's take a look at the point. Jesus in Matthew 25, if you'll read before this, he's talking about, people want to know, well, what's, what's the kingdom of God like? What, what, what's this thing about? What, what, what's this whole faith thing? And he says, well, the kingdom of God is like this. And he tells another story, the kingdom of God is like this. And then we pick it up at verse 14. Again, it, referring to the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Boy, what a great analogy. Jesus coming into the earth, teaching us truth and understanding God. All right? He gave, uh, to one, he gave five bags of gold. Uh, this is called the parable of the talents because the old translation said, gave to him talent. Talent was amount of gold. But it's a great analogy for us today because we all do have different talents and abilities. Guy, not everybody gets the same. One guy got uh, uh, five bags of gold. Another guy got two bags of gold. Another guy got one bag of gold according to his ability. Why different amounts? I don't know. It's just God does things differently. Not everybody looks the same. Not everybody thinks the same. Not everybody has the same ability. Not everybody can get up and do what I do and talk to people. In fact, surveys show that's people's greatest fear to speak in front of a group. Isn't that funny? They say they fear it more than death. <laughs> I guess the worst thing is have to give a speech at your own execution. That'd be a horrible day, terrible day. So it gives him all according to his ability, and then it says, he, then he went on a journey. The analogy is Jesus coming and equipping these guys and then going. Well, then the man who received the five bags of gold went, what's the next two words? At once. He went at once. Why would he go at once? Because he was told, this is what you're supposed to do. We go, we move, we go into the world that we're at, we take what God has given us, and we put it to work. So he goes at once, and he puts the money to work, and he gains five more bags of gold. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. When after a long time, again, look at the analogy, the master of those servants returns. And then he settles accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought another five, said, Master, look, you gave me five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll make you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Well, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came and said, hey, master, I knew you're a hard man. You harvest where you haven't sown. You gather where you have not scattered seed. But what is that saying? God doesn't do everything. Man, you do stuff here, stuff happens. I mean, you know, and you're, a, you know, you require stuff. And I, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake. And what does he say? So I was, a f- no, he is lazy. We'll get to that in a minute. So I was afraid. It's fear that motivates us. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't, want, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to choose. I, I want God to tell me. I, I don't want to make him. Just tell me, Pastor, what should I do? I don't want to make a mistake. Stop that. What if I make a mistake? So what? You'll learn from the mistake. What if God doesn't want me to do it? Something else will happen. He's a big boy. Okay? Man, some of my greatest lessons in life came from really, really, really stupid decisions. I learn from those decisions. That's why I always say, you guys, enjoy the road you're on. It might be a dead end. <laughs> say, how will I know? When you get to the end. <laughs> Just relax. I was afraid. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked No, lazy, lazy. I'm telling you, this is just a form of laziness. Teacher, just tell me the answer. What's the answer number five? Well, let me try to, just tell me the answer. It's laziness. And here's the crazy thing about it. The guys who are out here and they're just making stuff happen and then you gotta go over here and says, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord to tell me what to do. Who seems more spiritual? This guy does. Oh, it sounds so spiritual. Oh, I, just, I don't want to make a mistake. You know, I'll go, I don't, you know, God really requires stuff of everybody. He's a hard man is the way, the way that he interpreted it. You know, I, I don't want to make mistakes. So, so the problem is we see these people, we think they're spiritual. They're not spiritual, they're lazy. Or they've just been taught wrong. People who make stuff happen, people are here. They get out there, they make stuff, they step out in faith. I'm sure every financial decision these guys made wasn't always the right one, but they kept at it and they made things happen and they became productive. That's what brings glory to God. This master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have at least put my money in deposit with the banker so that when I return, I would have gotten it back with interest. No, he hides it. So take the, and here's my problem. I, and it's so frustrating to me, and I realize I'm swimming upstream on this stuff, but just listen to me, okay? I fear that in much of Christianity today, instead of creating guys like number one and number two that go out there in faith and aggressively make things happen, we, under the guise of spirituality, have created guy number three. Millions of Christians today do nothing unless God tells them to do it. Consequently, they do nothing, and nothing gets done. They're hiding on their talent. They think they're going to get blessed when the accounting day comes. They are delusional. It's not going to be a pretty day for them, as we can tell by this parable. We've got to quit being guy number three. There's people who have never done anything in the church because they're still waiting for God to tell them what to do. Stop that. 
Say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, just do something. Whatever your hand finds, the Bible says to do, just do it with all your might. If you're not sure, pick the thing that's the most disgusting and do that. And listen, there's not a lot of glorious stuff to do in the kingdom. Serving people is pretty basic. Everybody here, everybody in Stevens Point, everybody in Appleton, most of you are overqualified for anything that we ask you to do. I mean, how much of a degree do you need to take out the trash? How much of a degree do you need to welcome people to church? What type of advanced degree do you need to hand somebody a tray of communion wafers? Everything we do is kind of brain dead. If you're looking for something, I'm waiting for something of my caliber and my, my educational experience. Well, you're just going to sit there and do nothing. All right? Just find something to do. Be kind to people. Help, assist. You don't need God to tell you this stuff. So anyway, the master gets mad. He says, take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and then they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You say, what does that mean, pastor? I don't know, it sounds bad to me. I don't want to be in that category. Goodness gracious. Does God do specific, glorious, wonderful things? He does. But even a lot of the wonderful things he does, he'll do because we pray. And he'll force us into situations to make things happen. Sometimes something that happens bad to you, you think it's just some bad thing, is God putting you someplace. And then you'll find out. That's how God, it's not always here, you know, you know you're not Moses. Okay? There's pretty much one Moses. You know, everybody says, there's a few prophets in the Old Testament. Most of it isn't that kind of a thing. You know, but God, absolutely, I believe God. He's done it in my life, you know? One of my five stories, which I show however many I've got, you know, is uh, some years ago, I was with Pastor Joe. We were hippies for Jesus. You know, I don't know if you've seen our pictures on Facebook. It's rather frightening. And uh, young people, we're serving Jesus. And we were traveling in a caravan. We had these buses and trucks. And we go from city to city, have these meetings, you know, preaching gospel and stuff. Well, you know, uh, Joe's driving a truck, I'm driving a bus, you know, and we're cruising along and, you know, he and a bunch of other people are in front and we're going from Tennessee down into Florida and we're going through Chattanooga. And I just thought of Chattanooga is a place called Lookout Mountain. I don't know if it's changed today, but back in the day, there was only t- it was a two-lane road going up to Lookout Mountain and it was really high and it's just two lanes and you can't pass it. You know, it's just, you're going, you're in first gear, just going, kind of, you know, chickens and squirrels are passing you, you know, and they're going, oh, it's taking forever, and the line's forever because nobody can pass us. And then you get to the top and we have a new experience. On the way down, it's much faster. Oh yeah, it's more like, like we're riding the brakes going, ah, we're going in. All of a sudden, smoke starts pouring out of the engine of the bus I'm driving. I can barely see. Oh, this is bad. I can't see. You know, it's not like you can just go straight because then, oh, you know. I got to pull over and there's no place but rock, you know. There's nothing but rock and, oh, and all of a sudden there's a little opening and I squeeze it. Stop the bus. And they got out of the bus, people are driving like, and you know, we got out and the smoke's clearing and 
We opened the hood and we looked at the engine because we're men. That's what we do. <laughs> I don't know anything about engines, but I'm a man. You know, I got to look. <laughs> yeah, there's an engine here. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So let's, let's check the oil. That's all I knew to do, check the oil. So we check the oil and it's dry. There's not a drop of oil in this thing. Oh, no. And these things take at least five quarts of oil. And uh, we had no oil with us. And Joe and all those other cats had the money, and they were in the front of the caravan. And we didn't have cell phones in those days. You know, our version of cell phone was, hey! You know what I'm saying? So they're gone. I'm like, oh, good grief. They're going to be stuck on the side of this mountain forever. Going to have children. They're going to call me and my wife, Ma and Pa and... Hey, Ma, kill another squirrel for lunch. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, so we said, well, we better pray. We prayed to the Lord. We pray that, number one, someone will stop and help us because, I mean, there's you. It wasn't like they could just pull over quickly. You're going to have to send somebody back up to this mountain and give us a hand. Number two, I just pray they happen to have some oil. Number two, I pray they give it to us because we got no money. Number four, you know, I was on a roll. Why stop now? So I pray somebody who needs to find Jesus and he'll get saved. Amen. And I'll never forget. I said amen and I giggled. I said, well, it might be a while before that prayer gets answered, you know. So, you know, no, you're just trusting God. I kick back, just start reading my Bible. About 15 minutes, all of a sudden this car goes, they pull in front of us right now. I went, whoa. We quick hop out and this guy gets out, this young man in his 20s. He says, hey, I saw y'all when I went by and I thought I better come back, see if y'all need any help. I thought, oh, what a nice man. He says, what's the problem? I said, well, let's, you know, so we both looked at the engine because we're both men, you know, and we're looking. He says, what's the problem? I says, we're out of oil. He goes, wow, that's a drag. He says, he says I got a case of oil in my trunk. <laughs> I said, whoa, that's cool. I said, but, but we don't have any money. He says, oh, that's okay, I'll just give it to y'all. Wow. So we put, sure enough, all five quarts. I mean, it took everything. There was nothing in it. And then he gave us the rest of the case in case we had any more problems down the road. And then he's getting ready to live. I said, hey, hey, man. He says, yes, sir. I said, listen, we're we're Christians. Yes, sir. And I said, well, when this first happened, we prayed. And I prayed, number one, that someone would stop and help us. Number two, that they just happened to have some oil in their trunk. And number three, that they just give it to us because we didn't have any money. And his eyes are big. And I said, we prayed one more thing. He goes, what was that? You know, (laughs) I said, we pray to be someone who needed to find Jesus. I said, do you know Jesus is your Savior? He goes, no, sir. I said, would you like to? He said, yes, sir. <laughs> that was it. I spent years trying to convert some of you people. This guy in three seconds. Well, yeah, yep, it's done. <laughs> just like that. So we got down on our knees and we prayed together. Tears just streamed down his face. I mean, he stood up. His face was glowing. I mean, just gave him a hug. We hopped in and we didn't have any more problems. Didn't burn any more oil the entire trip. You know, just sometimes God just shows up and do, does great things. Now, see, the problem with stories is like that. Is oftentimes you'll hear us share these stories. You think that's the norm. God's just going to supernaturally do everything. I don't have to, no, no, no. You know, some, you don't hear all the stories where... It didn't quite work out so well. <laughs> we don't share those. <laughs> but it helps also, that helps make me who I am as well as some of the other stuff. Step out in faith. Trust God. And even in that situation, we didn't just sit and cry. We prayed. 
We prayed very specifically. You say, well, that would have just happened anyway. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm saying, don't be afraid to pray and to trust God. And don't get obsessed with, oh, I can't do anything until God tells me everything to do. Pray for wisdom, pray for insight. And as we taught last time, look and direct the hand of God in your life. Father, do this, do this. And be as specific as we were when we were praying in that truck. Does that mean everything that you pray for specifically happens? No. Sometimes the answer is no. Just like we read in the Old Testament. There was before the throne. An angel said, man, let's do this. And guy goes, nah, I don't like that idea. Another one says, let's do this. Guy goes, nah. Another angel says, let's do this. God says, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Angel tells him the plan. Says, yeah, let's do it that way. I don't know why God doesn't. He likes it. He loves to interchange and get involved with his people. We are people of faith. Talk to God. Pray. Don't just sit around thinking everything that happens is going to be God. And all I got to do is just ask God to tell me what to do. That's not what this is about. And when you truly understand that, you'll be more motivated to pray. You'll be more motivated to read the Bible. You'll be more motivated to come to church so you can get more wisdom and insight. All of this stuff drives us so that we can start to experience God in bigger and greater ways. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us to grow in our faith. Help us to understand, Lord, that we're not supposed to be lazy and just sit around and wait for all the answers. The big answers you've given us. It's in your scriptures. It's in the words. But some of the challenges in our lives help us to seek for wisdom, understand wisdom. Help us to make decisions. Help us to pray, to ask you to move in our hearts and lives. And to have the wisdom to see where you're moving and where you're not. So that we can pray more effectively. So we can be the kind of people that are very productive and not just the ones who sit around and hide their gifts, waiting not to make a mistake. Lord, help us to learn when we do make mistakes, to grow from it, so that we become stronger and, again, more effective for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have a great day. Amen.